0: Welcome back, everyone, to Millwood and Micah Discovering Avatar Season 2. My name is Amanda Millwood, and I'm a screenwriter, actor, director, and a fan of Legend of Korra.
1: And my name's Todd Micah. I'm the author of the Guard book series, and I had never watched Legend of Korra until now. If you've been following along with our podcast, then you know that we cover two episodes of the show every podcast. And today we have come to Korra. We are in Season 4, Episode 3, the coronation this episode is written by tim hedrick of our bossing say <laughs> love here he's always in, in the middle of this like political maneuvering type stuff and i mean who mm. better honestly who better than tim
0: <laughs> honestly
1: if the man can write bossing say the man can write anything uh, exactly. <laughs> uh written by mel's Z- or should be directed by mel's animated by studio Mir episode aired on october 17th 2014 and the imdb rating of the coronation is every time i see an eight for season four an eight in the ratings i'm always a little disappointed in the imdb it's an eight, right. it's an 8.3 out of 10 a kind of an unjust 8.3 in my opinion
0: yeah no like honestly and maybe spoilers but i don't feel like any episode in the first half of season uh Well, actually, never mind. Never mind. I'm going to scratch it. Are you going to eat your
1: words in about 20 minutes? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So never mind. (laughs) No episodes focusing on on the A plot of season four.
0: (laughs) It deserves less than a a nine. nine. (laughs) Yes, is where
1: we're at. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Uh, Take us away with those fun facts, Amanda.
0: All right. Uh, These are really fun ones. Well, at least this first one's really Mm -hmm. fun, so I can't wait. Um, Our first fun fact is that during the production of the episode, one of the crew's storyboard artists initially placed a frame photo of Sokka inside of Toph's tree dwelling. What? (laughs) Though this would end up being removed after Brian Konitzko questioned why Toph, being blind, would want or have a photo of (laughs) (laughs) Sokka. I'm like, oh my God. Okay, first of all, yes (laughs) yes <laughs> like if it, she was gonna have a picture of anybody from the from the original gang it was gonna be Sokka <laughs> but also like can you imagine if that was like actually if that made it to the final cut the ship the shippers would have just like Twitter would have been set on fire. Tumblr would have exploded. Like it would have been. What would,
1: well, would have been even funnier it would have been if there was a handwritten letter from Sokka to Toph that Kara found because Sokka would have forgotten that Toph can't read. Can't can't read. read. I can't we
0: Toph can't read. Yeah, oh we'll send. Gosh, yes. We'll
1: we'll give Toph a letter and say that it's from Katara. It's from Katara. <laughs>
0: We could just send a letter to Qatar saying it's from top. I think we run into a similar problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, so funny! But yeah, no, like I that just would have added even more fuel to the you know theory that Su Yin is actually you know Sokka's baby. Like mm-hmm. that's that she's um her do- his daughter oh my god what are words um but uh, yeah so i i love that i didn't even know that i, I like freaked out i was like ah, my taka shipper art. <laughs> like I, oh I, man, i'd love yeah. to think
1: that the one of the crew's storyboard artists is actually michael dante <laughs> di martino <laughs> and brian yeah. I was like what are you doing what's this doing here what this is a, this is not canon
0: right oh man love it um, our second fun fact is that this is the first episode in which Izumi, Zuko's daughter, makes an appearance and contrary to what you might think, Zuko is not the Fire Lord right now. Zumi is. Oh, yeah, so... no.
1: I may be confused by a lot of things politically going on in Legend of Korra right now, but I was not, <laughs> conf- I was not confused about that.
0: Well, I was, well, I was a lot younger, obviously, but like I was confused because they refer to Zuko in season three when he first shows up as Lord Zuko. So like, I still figured that he was the Fire Lord and then his daughter shows up this season and is like addressed as Fire Lord Azumi. And I'm like,
1: (laughs) no, they just call him, they just call him Lord because he's old. I fully feel that when I'm old that people refer to me as Lord Todd.
0: Lord Todd. Yeah. (laughs) Lord Micah.
1: Lord Micah. Yeah. That would be amazing. There's me showing up to the podcast years later when, like, other people are running it. Lord Micah, this is an unexpected pleasure. And I'm just like, I'm here to put you back on schedule. Yes.
0: And also, this is, again, just kind of branching off of this fun fact, but Izumi actually means fountain. And gee, I wonder why. There's actually two reasons why they might have named her that. <laughs> One, because if you remember how Zuko and Mei met, or like I guess started to fall in love, it was with the fountain incident where they both ended up, you know, in a fountain after Mei and Tylee, or uh, sorry, Azula and Tylee set them up. But also, the Zataras took that as fountain, water, Katara. Ah. Obviously,
1: that's what it was.
0: <laughs> of course. It all makes sense. Um, But yeah, just a little fun fact. And then our third fun fact is that the scene in which an elbow leech clings to Korra recalls a similar scene in the swamp where an elbow leech clings to Sokka when Team Avatar crashes into the foggy swamp. And I always love that that line from Katara. Sokka, you have an elbow leech. Where? Where? Where do you think? so funny um again that's little callbacks like that i love that because it's not super in your face but if you've seen the show a million times you're like oh my god that's that's from you know that's from the episode yes um and yeah that's all we got for the fun fact so we can get right into the episode
1: oh gosh yeah the coronation episode is great because it just it continues to do what episode one did which is continue pulling in characters from that we've known before again Zuko mm-hmm. is back uh, Eska and Desna are back which yes. I, I love the moment that like my th- we've talked a little about this before I think they they know it they knew it in the years oh, after season doing. 2 They exactly what they were doing and they were like uh, there's only one room and it only has one bed and everyone's like no you know <laughs> and the, she, she's like, "Oh, it's fine." <laughs> and Desno sleeps, sleeps in the tub.
0: <laughs> There's no like, mistake. Of course he does. Of course he does. <laughs> They're such weirdos, but we love them. Yeah, I love her little interaction with Bullen talking about Kavira, boss, girlfriend. Same thing. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> I mean, she would be the one to be like, "Yeah, of course she orders you around and she's your superior. What? What? What's right. any different?"
0: yes love to see it and they didn't have to bring them back like there's no. they just kind of showed up as a little cameo but i'm so glad they did because technically they are the rulers of the northern water tribe right now right because like obviously Unaloc is gone thank god um so his children would inherit the throne so mm-hmm. i do like that they kind of brought them in as they bring in all the world leaders you know fire lord and all that um so it makes sense that they'd be there but well, it, yeah i, I always love seeing them
1: and you know what not to jump what? ahead terribly far, but you know what? I just what? realized something. What? So when the most beautiful girl in all Legend of Korra gets up during the coronation and gives her speech um, <laughs> and starts talking oh, sh- let me finish and when she starts talking about how the old world is like the rutted monarchy and the leaders you know ruling by succession and family lines mm-hmm. i just realized every one of the leaders that are there are leaders in a family line of succession Why? yeah there's zuko previous fire lord and son of the previous fire lord whose daughter is now mm-hmm. the fire lord you've got tenzen who is the the leader of the air nomads whose father was the last the first last airbender
0: and, the first, last airbender. <laughs> and
1: you've got eska and desna who are ruling because of their father's demise you've got Wu, mm-hmm. ready to take the throne of the earth kingdom because of his mother's demise like all of them are rulers who no one really elected or cares about mm-hmm. because
0: And also Tonrock is there too. Thank you, right. And Tonrock because for, Tribe, for the Southern now.
1: Water and Tribe, and he also is a ruler by succession. They're not elected. Every single mm-hmm. world leader there is a ruler who the people do not choose. They're just right. they have to deal with them because they are born to lead, basically.
0: Yeah, really the only person that is not, like, a monarchy ruler is President Raikou, who was elected for, the you know, the Republic City. But, yeah, everybody else there, like, God, imagine if the Red Lotus was still alive and they were at this, like, coronation they could wipe out everybody right then and right? there. Right, yeah,
1: they've probably been waiting. Like, we're sure the Red Lotus is dead, right? Right? Okay, good. Right. We can put all the they world They had, like, a bunch wondering. of
0: members just all over the world, like.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I find it really ironic. And when you said that, it just occurred to me that, that that I'm like, man, she really was talking to the whole room right then when she stepped up because it's kind of wild. Like there's all these antics at the start of the episode with like Prince Wu getting (laughs) bounced out of his room Yes. Poor guy.
0: Get the junior suite. <laughs> yeah, that was that was quite a power move, Kavira. Like I respect it. Moving uh-huh. the prince out of the prince suite into the junior suite and taking it for yourself. Yeah, I'm gonna step love aside, girl a boss power. Junior. <laughs> right, literally.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, she's she's great. Love Kavira. Um <laughs> I do. I do, I love her. Oh. So, so, you know what i'm just saying like confidence really is the most attractive thing a woman can wear
0: <laughs> honestly she's got in <laughs>
1: yeah she got a girl got ambition she's the ultimate girl boss
0: <laughs> let's go girl <laughs> that's
1: right i don't know i don't know I'm, I'm still on the fence about her i'm not sure i might i might be team kavira the way that you were team amon
0: <laughs> that's fair
1: <laughs> come on now but-
0: I was gonna say I feel like it's for different reasons, but actually But actually is it though? Really, is it though? <laughs> is it though? <laughs> yeah, that's so funny.
1: There's a me with like Lynn on one hand and Kavira on the other hand. I'm just like what Lynn? Oh lynn's all oh I'm the I'm the I'm the police chief. Uh, no one listens to me. Oh I'm angry at my sister. Oh, I prefer you and then, <laughs> and then when I'm with Lynn, I'm just like Kavira? Oh no, I don't like Kavira. Kavira's all oh I'm a great uniter. I'm To restore the entire thing uh imperialism monarchies uh i I prefer you
0: (laughs) (laughs) or it's like that car meme what is it um this is brilliant but i like this (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's that's me lynn (laughs) this is brilliant come but i like this (laughs) right that's
0: so funny yeah
1: yeah, but, yeah, Lin was, was mommy by succession. Kavira is mommy by election. <laughs> <laughs> right. She's oh, mommy man. by hostile takeover. <laughs> we
0: gotta stop you. got too far.
1: She has imperialized my heart.
0: Oh, my gosh. No. <laughs> but I do love um, the whole, just the, the whole gag of the coronation and, like, how Wu is, like, you know, planning out this whole big event and, like, this grand six-hour coronation. <laughs> and then it turns out that everything he wanted is being squashed because, like, obviously the whole palette the whole Earth Kingdom, but especially the palettes has been looted and there's not even a crown to coronate him with. <laughs> and so they literally just pin a little earring on him as a brooch, and I love it. <laughs> he wears it so the, respect well. Respect the brooch! Respect the brooch! <laughs> yes and uh the one of the things that it's such a funny little like tick about his character but he dances a lot in the season <laughs> they're I've always noticed. like these super modern look they're like these modern looking dances and it turns out this is also i guess a fun fact but some of the dances that he does throughout the season are actually um what are they references to beyonce and her dance moves like there's been side by side and it's like damn near I've the have seen this <laughs> Yes, it's so funny. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Such a flamboyant character. So fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, and I guess uh, since we're somewhat going in order here for once. Um, Are we, I though? love the scene. <laughs> Are we? Um, I do love the scene of Mako and Bolin as they're, like, they're, they've reunited and they're talking about their right. respective jobs. And, you know, Wu's on the other side of the door listening in. And... <laughs> When Bolin, Mako's reaction to Bolin saying that Korra and Kavira are basically the same, he's just like That what? face
1: he makes is perfect
0: <laughs> Yes, yeah. It's the ultimate are you shitting me face Like you've gotta yes. be kidding me So that became such a big meme after like anytime like there was discourse around Korra like that would be the meme that people would go to um, I love it but it also is interesting to see them kind of at each other's throats but they're both right and wrong you yes. know there's no like right person or right. wrong person in this scenario it's um, it's
1: a very which... apt political statement of like watching two people from two political parties argue and neither one of them right. is completely right but they're both kind of convinced <laughs> more for sake of the argument than for anything else that they are neither one of them are exactly. neither one of them really truly believes they're completely right anyway <laughs> uh,
0: no it's Yeah. And I think that they're trying to like justify and be like, well, you're doing this. (laughs) Like, they're just trying to.
1: And I think it's an interesting statement. Not that we ever really get political on the podcast, nor will we ever. So that's why it's more of a vague (laughs) reference to politics, which I hate. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting, though, that the reason why they argue, as I said, it's not even that they fully believe objectively that they're person they represent or the side of the conflict they represent is right they right. they they have skin in the game it's because of their personal you know mako's on the defensive having to justify why he is playing bootlicker to to uh woo why in the mm-hmm. world he is he's playing up to this man child and and allowing himself to be taken away from more better responsibilities. is meanwhile we have Bolin who Mako pretty much accuses of being a stormtrooper in the Empire and and like right. and like with those two things in mind they're both defending their role by defending the person that they work for and the ideology mm-hmm. behind why they should be the one ruling and I just find it right. a, I find it a really funny insight I just as, as somebody who is a very centrist I find it a really interesting insight to watch people argue politics because they have their personal egos on the line. I think it's very, very telling and very subtle.
0: Yeah, same. I like that they kind of both sides it. Like, I don't know. I like when there's no right, no wrong. It's just kind of what it is. (laughs) Like, you chose your side, I chose mine, even though we don't feel very comfortable with either. But um, yeah, and it's very real, but it is very... it's a good kind of realistic wedge that would form between them because they're always usually very close um and even when they're not they always come together in the end but you know they're older now and they obviously have very different outlooks on the politics of the whole situation and everything so um it is very cool to see that play out um
1: well then the fact that it's always kind of been one or the other chasing the other brother around because you had you know mako involved with all the romance stuff in season one and bolin kind of following in his shadow kind of living in mako's shadow you know then in season two it was kind of the other way around where you had uh bolin becoming the big movie star the big Mm -hmm. mover star and then now granted it's not as if mako had nothing to do but he was pretty much just chasing bolin around trying to like you know get his help and everything um but now here in in season four, we've got them both, they both have their jobs, they're both taking things seriously um, as far as their affiliations, but they both now have convictions that are opposed to one another. Just like you said, they're both grown up. No one's just chasing the other around being like, hey, bro, help me. Hey, h- hang out with me, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then that kind of leads, you know, this whole confrontation between Mako and Mullen leads Wu to take Mako... Yeah. <laughs> brilliant idea i this is probably my favorite scene in the whole episode honestly it's just this whole shopping segment um in republic city they have like a makeshift bossing say shopping center with like three rings just like the actual bossing say and when i love how mako
1: i love when mako's all upset and he says to him oh don't worry mako i'll take you shopping and i'll buy you a smoothie man when i'm having a rough day i could definitely use a shopping trip and a smoothie let me tell you that sounded great
0: well you know what's funny is that like just knowing Mako I thought that he would have said something standoffish but like no he actually was like okay (laughs) like that's so cute I love it um and uh yeah so you got like the first level which is just your basic you know food court whatever you got the middle level and then you got your upper level which is the bougie like you know your anthropology and all that and I just love that idea and like them getting chased by Kavira supporters because they see that she has merch in this like little shopping center. Like, I love it. And when they get up to the top ring, um, Wu sees, you know, this like makeshift Ba say palace and he just has like a total meltdown and it's hilarious. <laughs> this little Ba say, and I'm the little king. <laughs> You'll have a bunch of birthdays. This is my only coronation. <laughs> let me like, have this day so funny and then he, asking um because like obviously Kavira's supporters come to chase them down to this restaurant that they're in and mako's like we gotta get you out of here and he just says uh, carry me it's like oh my god are you two in love or what like come on <laughs> it's so funny i, lo- I love, I love it. it the
1: uh you know the the other the other plot though in this is of course uh cora who's just getting the the mud slapped out of her <laughs> by tower. by toff all the time
0: yeah but i think it's actually like it's cool first of all because as Toph says like I, you're the second avatar that i've trained and like it's true it's like wow that's kind of crazy <laughs> like mm-hmm. that she lived long enough to train not just Aang but also his you know reincarnation um but you know, it it kind of reveals something that we didn't know previously, and that's that Su Yin did not manage to take out all of the poison from Korra's body. And mm-hmm. that's part of the reason why she is like struggling so much mentally, physically, and all that. You know, like she said, she's one step slower, she's apprehensive, you know, she's very timid, which she didn't used to be. And mm-hmm. it's in part because of this poison that is still in her system. And Cora wants Toph to get it out because she's the top, you know, not the top, the best metal bender in the world. Right. Um, But she can't because like she just like, and I, I believe it was in Toph's words, like, you know, she said, I don't know, maybe you want to keep the metal in because then you have an excuse to not be the avatar anymore. And that's like a really interesting idea of like, you know, how yeah. some people, I'm not saying that this is what Cora is doing, but like some people they victimize themselves and they're always, you know, like, Oh, I can't do this or, Oh, whatever the excuse yeah. is because of X, Y, Z. Um, in reality, it's just, it's, that's all it is. an excuse. Like, <laughs> So, yeah. and I mean, um, and
1: no, and no lack of compassion at all for people who get in that it's just a bad mindset. It's a very natural mindset, especially after trauma to kind of disqualify yourself from moving forward because it's, As we, as we say, because I mean, I've, I've, I've had some, you know, rough times in my life and I've needed support and needed healing. And, you know, one of the things we say in, in healing community, it's talking about overcoming trauma is a lot of times after trauma and after things happen where you are in a place of unhealing, your unhealed state can become a comfort zone. It can mm-hmm. be the space where you're okay with not being okay because you can, again, for lack of a more gentle term, you can use it as an excuse. You mm-hmm. can use it as a reason to not challenge yourself. You can use it as a reason to not grow. You can hang to on to the past. Yourself. Yeah, you can use, you know, it's interesting that the two episodes kind of confront both sides of Korra's trauma. Uh, in Korra alone, we watch her trying to overcome it and it holding her back, and trying to get away from it. But here in the coronation, we watch the a flip side of trauma, which is her clinging to the trauma because she's scared of what lies beyond it. It means right. having to return to responsibility, having to return to agency, because when you're traumatized, you're, you know, to, to make it a correlation to physical injury, if you're an athlete who's injured. As long as you say oh it still hurts no one has any expectations for you you're on the mm-hmm. dl you're retired until you heal and all of a sudden the instant you're well and you somebody in some place of accountability says are you well again and you say yeah okay mm-hmm. great now here's these expectations on you now you can start pursuing your goal and that fear of failure comes back that you were technically safe from as long as you were injured if that makes sense
0: no yeah absolutely and I again, I think that the way that they depict Cora's trauma and how it affects her mentally, physically, every spiritually, every kind of way, yeah. um, is so well depicted. And it again, it is not just, oh, you know, she gets better, like she heals herself, she heals her mind. Mm-hmm. Like, no, she does regress, she does, you know, struggle a ton, even after she supposedly heals herself. Um, And it's so well done and I just, I love it so much. Um, But yeah, so I'm really glad that they did kind of throw that out there that like, maybe you want to stay like this because like you said, it's your safe zone. You're used to it by this point because it's been three years of this and you don't have the responsibility of an avatar anymore. And, you know, if you stay in this state of just kind of self-pitying, like not wanting to you know, move on, then yeah, that's all that you'll have. But so it's it's really interesting that they decided to kind of throw that out there. Um but yeah, I, I really like this whole episode. Uh unless there's anything else that you wanted to discuss.
1: No, I mean the episode the episode is is you know really that whole push for power from kuvira uh that really pushes things. I love by the way, it's a quick note, I love that she pardoned Varic.
0: <laughs> yes. yes, you're an upstanding citizen. <laughs> and then he immediately goes from that to wanting to steal all the soap from the hotel. <laughs> like the that that lavender. This. Love the lavender. <laughs> so great. Never change, Mary. <laughs> we love you just the way you are. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, the, the episode the episode is really good. Uh again, it has a a, a lot of everything. And what this is one of those episodes that is just very densely packed. Again, it has the political intrigue. It gives time for all the fun with Mako and and Woo. Um it we have the conflict between Mako and Bolin, and you know, that schism there between the brothers. And then also we wind up with um you know finding out that Korra is is still poisoned. And one last note on that, I think it's very interesting that you know we're talking about healing from trauma and Cora's entire thing. I think it's interesting to note though that very much like in real life, while Su Yin is a professional in her mm. field and she was able to help with the healing in healing, you are always at the, you always have to do your own healing, no mm. professional, no therapist nobody is going to come along and heal you for you they can help you they can give you tools they can guide you they can give they can help you through a lot of it but true to life again just this really great you know uh analogy the symbolism they have going here the final step of the healing as it turns out is too painful for Cora to have someone else do for her and it has to be something that she does herself awesome exactly. episode the I gotta tell you, this episode I might actually like this the most of the episodes we've had so far. Ooh. For me, this one is probably a nine point five.
0: Wow! That's so I exciting. really like this one a lot. I know I could not believe when I saw the IMDb rating when I was doing the script. I was like, they've got to be joking. This is such criminally, a dense, criminally criminally low. Yeah, I don't know. It's whack. But uh, yeah, honestly, I think I might agree with you. This is definitely one of those 9.5 episodes where it's not quite perfect, not quite a 10 out of 10, but you know. it is very close because this just has so much going for it. There's so many story beats and, you know, funny moments. Like It genuinely is a very funny episode, mostly because of Wu. Um, and it also deeper moments like with Cora and her trauma and, you know, talking to Toph about all that. So, yeah, I really love this episode
1: we do so. we do love variety so yes 9.5 out
0: of 10 baby
1: well that brings us to episode four the calling uh the episode is whoo it's written by katie matilla
0: mm, wow I told you she'd be back
1: <laughs> yeah we, we just talked about her in uh was it was it i I think it was the last
0: podcast
1: episode yeah yes yeah we were just talking about the writers and yeah no i mean she has such a rich history with avatar and it is no surprise i mean the last time we saw her writing was an old wounds which again like this one uh was a very very emotional and very introspective very heartfelt just gut-wrenching episode so who better Mm -hmm. to handle this you know internal struggle that Cora's having similar to the way lynn had that internal struggle and old wounds than mm-hmm. katie so always great to see her back oh yeah uh the episode is directed by colin heck it's animated by studio Mir. the episode aired october 24th 2014 and the imdb rating of the calling is again it, it's an impressive rating overall but like yeah i'm mostly like how did this one get higher than the coronation (laughs) imdb IMDb is wilder right now i
0: know you don't always do with legend of core it's so inconsistent like
1: well take us away with those fun facts amanda
0: all right Um, My first fun fact is that Cora's visions in the swamp was inspired by the Jupiter and beyond the infinite sequence in 2001, a space odyssey. Now, I've only seen space odyssey once um, in my sci-fi class in high school, and I don't really remember a scene that was like her visions in the swamp that she was having. I don't know. Maybe I'm just (laughs) forgetting, but.
1: So. Kind of okay, so I've seen the movie. I mean, I've seen 2001 A Space Odyssey a bunch of times. I've
0: seen the movie,
1: it's a a hallmark piece of cinema history. Um, (laughs) I mean, mean, (laughs) hey, I love it, but I'm I'm that kind of I like slow, I like slow burn cerebral movies, I like weird stuff. I um, I gotta tell you, I don't really know if I agree with this. I, yeah sure like, it was sure it, i can scene. see a little bit of like the scene jumping maybe but like
0: because isn't it just the whole scene of him like the four or five minute scene of him just like going through like the the colors and the kaleidoscope
1: like, basically yeah,
0: isn't that all it is like there's a little
1: about... bit of there's a little bit of like scene jumping of him kind of being transported from place to place but like not really i mean mm. okay sure yeah, sure we'll
0: go with that on our second fun fact originally after her siblings had knocked out the two outpost soldiers Iki would have written and left a note for her captors with the moment being cut because it dragged out the pacing of the scene yeah i can see that i think that her like it would have been cute but i honestly think that her just giving her them the little you know sweet buns and just saying sorry uh-huh. like it's so cute she's so wholesome yeah she's um, yes yeah. And then, I love this, this is a running joke in season four, and I love it as an artist myself. Um, Milo's portrait of Korra was directly based on a drawing uh, that supervisor Kiyon Ryu drew while attending a production meeting. So that sketch is basically just probably photocopied. It's <laughs> been like, yep, that's Cora. And Milo, <laughs> as a, what is he, like, seven, eight now? He's like this yep artist, and I just love
1: that. If anybody <laughs> would, if anybody would, would be like a child savant, it would be Milo. <laughs> right, he's
0: a child prodigy, just
1: just an he, art. He he fart bends, and then he also is this amazing Heart artist. <laughs> yeah. C- love to see it. As the commentary goes on, Milo. Remember when he used to be all nice and sweet? No, <laughs> not really. <laughs>
0: know if I would have ever called him nice and sweet like he was hyperactive loud and abrasive like so it's pretty much in line like um but uh yeah no I and like I said I Milo gets a lot of hate from Legend of Korra fans and I get it but like I always found him funny like I love him in
1: this episode he's great
0: (laughs) he's such a little shit in this episode (laughs) um totally so like basically pema and tenzin they send their children for some reason
1: like what this goes in like top four worst decisions that tenzin makes during the series (laughs) because there's a lot of them
0: yeah and i i guess that it's supposed to like emulate the feeling of you know oh young team avatar you know from avatar going about Mm -hmm. you know they were around the same age although i feel like they are you know tenzin's kids are a little younger but um so yeah. they they've traveled the world fine. It's like, okay. <laughs> um, but they also didn't have parents to really like worry about them. So <laughs> tens and yeah. why don't you go with them? Like, um, <laughs> but anyway, so
1: Avatar list Airbender really do be parentless behavior.
0: <laughs> Honestly. Um, but uh yeah, so the kids they are going off and they're trying to find Korra because uh, you know, she's been missing obviously for all this time. And so we basically just get a lot of you know, wacky shenanigans between the kids and them going town to town trying to locate her. You know, Janora's using her spirit, magic, whatever, like the astral projection.
1: Which does almost nothing the entire time.
0: I know. I'm telling you. I'm sorry. I know that Janora has her fans. I am not one of them. She's my least favorite of Tenzin's kids. (laughs) Yeah, Um,
1: literally. I mean, Milo goes around and his his rambunctious like forward little military man nature that he like (laughs) Winds up uh eventually finding, you know, the 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 lead that Katara was there and got mm-hmm. her picture taken. He's um, the
0: Katara again, you did
1: it. Oh yeah, I <laughs> did. We've we done it by the end of this. By the end of this, we are both going to be so mixed up. We're going to be like starting <laughs> the episodes by saying, <laughs> "Never watch Legend of Katara until now."
0: Yes, yeah, <laughs> God. Um. Yeah. I love that little bit of continuity where they go to the, you know, the little tropical island that Cora, you know, visited um, in Cora alone and, you know, got her picture taken and they see that and that's how they're able to find a bit of a lead as to where she was, even though it was six months previously. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I just, I love that milo is such a riz master like he's, he's picking <laughs> up this little flower girl that's in this little earth kingdom village that they visit and it's so cute yep. um yeah and, then, and then
1: they're like milo's got a girlfriend and she gives him a flower and leaves and he's like i just i just lost the love of my life
0: <laughs> right Yeah. way to go was the iky. he just drove yep. away the love of my life
1: and Watch speaking them of leave, Iki like,
0: years later and they end up getting married <laughs>
1: it'll be in the next it'll be in the next avatar show we'll meet a kid who's like milo and flower girls you know child but i love i love the whole arc that uh, that whole subplot of Iki getting captured Mm. by the two the two earth kingdom soldiers um and and i love like the one guy who like gets the macaroons he's all nice and the other guy's (laughs) a little bit more on the tough side I got not gonna lie. It reminds me of two characters you wrote for a show pitch.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It
1: does remind me a little bit of them.
0: Yes, um, I've always loved the trope of like the kind of bumbling himbo idiot and the tough guy, like as a duo. I just mm-hmm. kind of love that, and so yeah, they definitely were giving off those vibes. It wasn't. It was not intentional. It's just a trope I really like. Um, it is a
1: good trope. I love it.
0: Yes, and I love that like. We've talked about this ad nauseum for both Avatar and Legend of Korra, but I love, especially in Avatar, that they take the common soldiers from the enemy, you know, the Fire Nation, mm-hmm. now the Earth Empire, and they make them human. They make them people with, like, you know, goals and aspirations. Aspirations? Why did I say it like that?
1: <laughs> the goals um, and aspirations.
0: Aspirations. Um, Master Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> take
1: it over by the spirit of Sean Connery for a moment there.
0: Sean Connery and Michael Caine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. And, uh, yeah. And so, and like, you know, even though they capture, Jin- uh, not Jinora, sorry, Iki, um, and she's technically on the opposing side, you know, they know that she's Tenzin's kid. Um, mm-hmm. They're still nice to her. Like, yeah, they tie her up, but that doesn't do anything. And she, they, even, I love
1: like, it, it when they put the map out and she's yeah. like, well, and she just pulls her arms out, like, yes, just looking at the map.
0: Just like Aang, when he's in the prison, he just takes off the shackle like it's nothing. Like, <laughs> why do you even have it on? <laughs> like, I love it. Um, it's just yep. an honor system, but uh, yeah, so I, I love that. I love the airbenders that you can never capture an airbender. It's such a funny running nope. gag. Um, yep. And that, yeah, like I said, they they actually talk, and like initially, they're trying to get information out of her, of but course. they realize that that's not going to work, and then they actually start to like talk to her just as a kid, like you know, oh, well, it's okay, you you'll figure it out. Like they're being really sweet to her because she's a young kid, you know, yeah. and um and <laughs> she even like has one of them pop a macaroon in her mouth, and it's just, like they're just chilling, <laughs> and then they get blasted. <laughs> like clearly, Mila just bursts through the door and blasts them. <laughs> And uh, she's so angry. She's like, why would you do that? <laughs> we were I having a nice her. conversation. She's, she's so pure. <laughs> she is. she's she's definitely my favorite of Tenzin's kids. Um, but, uh, yeah, and she, then she leaves a sweet bun with them and it's so cute. Um, but the whole reason that, you know, they that Genora and Milo come to get her is because Genora picks up on Cora's, I guess, energy um mm-hmm. because just like an avatar because she's in the banyan grove you know in the swamp right. it's connected to all things like it's kind of the mm-hmm. mother tree of avatar right very uh avatar way of water <laughs> so right very much um, so yes and so you know core is able to connect with uh Jenora spiritually through that and so the kids go to find her and Yeah, that then we get to the best scene I feel in the whole episode, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, Korra basically taking the poison out herself from her body um, and she struggles with it. Like, it's not just an easy, you know, fix. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. Um, It's a very beautiful scene. And the music, when it swells and she gets the last of the poison out and she finally goes into the Avatar state for the first time since, you know, her her fight was here you know and granted that's been 3 years that she's been without the avatar state yeah. that's a really long time for the avatar um like it's such a swell of emotion and such a beautiful moment and she literally says i feel so much lighter and like that's such a it's such a great line cuz she means mm-hmm. literally but also like right. i'm sure the weight of her trauma oh, feels yeah. lifted like even though it hasn't it's still there but like she doesn't right. feel literally weighed down by it anymore it's it's such a beautiful subtle line
1: And, and, you know, one of the greatest things about that scene was Toph's encouragement when she's in the middle of confronting the fear and the trauma of her last fight is Toph telling her that fight is over Mm -hmm. because that's really the way of putting that trauma in the past for her is by realizing that fight is over to let go of it, to stop replaying it. And Mm -hmm. as she says to her to get rid of your enemies, you're no longer fighting them. You know put them in the past and move on right because she can't face new enemies if she's still fighting the enemies in the past and that whole thing is just just absorb that and think about that for a while because honestly like enough said
0: yeah the way that they go about all that it's so beautiful and it's such a little moment this happens before she uh you know gets the poison out but i absolutely right. love when um she and Toph are standing outside the banyan grove tree And the kids, they spot her and they start flying to her, you know, with their glider suits and Cora just starts crying and she's just smiling. And like, she hasn't seen these kids like in three years. And they're very close. Like we've seen throughout all of Legend of Cora, how close her and the kids are. And like, it just, it gives me the like feels every time I see her smile and cry. (laughs) And I'm just like, oh my girl, you need to be back with your people, honey like well, and then so far removed
1: <laughs> well then and on top of it she uh she does get all of the poison at least most of the poison out mm-hmm. at that uh at this point where she feels so much better and she's healed and the avatar is back but then toff uh toff winds up um you know saying goodbye to them and everything and they mm-hmm. wave goodbye and i love where she's like finally some peace and quiet and i think Toph, Toph gets back to her favorite episode of cora which is Toph alone
0: <laughs> right. yes just her chilling in the swamp as it yeah. should be as it um,
1: should be i'm kind of kind of kind of jealous of her wish i could chill in the swamp so right
0: yeah, not really a lot to talk about in this episode. Really, it's just more the emotional, like it's a very emotionally satisfying ending for the episode. Um, right. You know, hijinks the first half and then the emotional reconciliation and freeing of Korra from her trauma um, in the second half, which I think is done very effectively. And yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's no, you know, coronation, but it's no. still a really good episode for um, Legend um... of Korra.
1: I would say, honestly, that while it doesn't quite measure in stature to the other ones so far, it's still extremely good. I enjoyed all the hijinks for a lot of kind of filler type stuff could have Mm. been introduced, but they stayed on target and the way they balanced out all the kids like working separately and then working together in the end also mirroring that episode with uh ang's kids with Mm -hmm. the three of them at odds trying to go on their mission and then reconciling too um the episode's good i'm gonna give it an 8.8 out of 10.
0: oh wow i'm I'm about to go way low i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) that's
1: fine hey i just enjoyed it
0: yeah no it it is a good one um for me i think that like i said the second half with cora uh and all that is the much stronger half because I just I connect emotionally to emotional stuff more than the funny stuff in this episode. Um, But for me, I think this would be an eight out of 10
1: i mean not bad it's 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 not a bad score it's just like compared to (laughs) eight we've been dishing out nines a lot but you know hey we gotta cool down we gotta let the nine paddle cool off just a little things been smoking for the last like three episodes um no but i mean episode uh season four is just chugging along uh again the fact that the episodes are such high quality and uh Uh, this is one of those kind of reconciliation of of conflict episodes where it's kind of like speeding away on the speedboat from your crazy ex-girlfriend it's like okay and uh, this is one of these precipices of possibility and i can't wait to see what comes next
0: that's all for today to all of our listeners thank you so much for tuning in we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode so feel free to leave a review or comment follow the podcast give us a good rating and all that good stuff
1: You can find us on Twitter at Millwood and Micah, and please follow our Instagram at Millwood and Micah Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll be back in the next episode.